This morning I want to share out of a passage I've been uh, stirring on all week. And, you know, I, when I'm getting ready to preach, kind of one of my main things that I do is just spend some time in prayer and going through the Word. And I felt like God kept leading me back to this passage, and, and it, but it just wasn't, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's interesting, Lord. I don't, but I'm not seeing really what you have in it. But as the week went on, he just started to reveal and unpack some thoughts that I, I believe he's really led me to share with you this morning. And it does connect with our recent number of messages we've been talking about wisdom, and, and the main passage in here has to do with wisdom, the main line. But I want to just go through here and unpack some things and, and discuss them with you today. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And if you have your Bible with you, you're going to want to go there so you can just stay right there at those verses, because I'm going to keep coming back to some of the phrases in that passage. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. I'm going to read through the whole thing with you this morning, and then we're going to go back through and look at it kind of line by line or phrase by phrase here and, and talk about some of the thoughts that, that uh, I feel like God has given me about it. And hopefully he inspires you with some things as well out of this passage. You know, when you read your Bible, that's, that's one of the things, like you can read through something real quickly and not get anything out of it. And I, I do hear that a lot of people like, well, I kind of read my Bible about once every week or two, and i just like, eh, I'm not sure I get anything out of it. But it, it takes prayer, it takes relationship with God to understand his word. It's not, just a, it's not just a textbook. It's not like reading a math book or something like that. It's something that requires interaction with God, prayer, his Holy Spirit there with you. And sometimes you really got to dig. I had to dig on this verse for like three days before God just kind of gave me the breakthrough on it. And I was, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he does that. But that's, sometimes he, he's like, if you seek, you will find. I kept thinking about it. If you keep digging, if you keep reaching out for him and, and his wisdom and his understanding about things, he, he will bring breakthrough for you or revelation in ways to encourage you. So if, if, you, if you're struggling reading your Bible, I would encourage you, stick with it, persevere, press into it. Take some time to, to quiet and, and just think about some of these verses that, that God leads you to in his word. This is Paul writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says this, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Which, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you, do not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that all those years ago you wrote on those stone tablets and you gave them to Moses. And ever since then, Lord, you've been delivering your word to us. God, we are thankful that you love your children and you speak to us and lead us. And I pray now that as we look at your word, Lord, you would lead all of our hearts in understanding and absorbing and and receiving from you that which you're wanting to deposit into our souls today. Lord, we open our hearts right now. Lord, we just say, 
work on us. Do surgery where you need to do it. Encourage us where we need it. Bring healing where healing is needed. Bring correction and direction where it's needed. God, I pray that your word would be alive and active amongst us as you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start with this phrase. I was made a minister. Paul is acknowledging here that he was made into something. He was made into a minister, and, and he, knew, he knew that he had a mission. He knew he had a calling in life. I was made a minister. Now, was Paul made a minister because he went to Bible college? Is that how he became a minister? Was he made a minister because, you know, how is he made a minister? How does he know this? Well, we'll get into that as we go. But I want to point out this, that Paul understands he was made something. He was made to be a minister. And I've been making the point, you know, intermittently throughout the last few weeks that you have purpose in life. You are not a random accident in life. And sometimes it can be very, very difficult when you're way down in a deep, dark place and all you can see is maybe the sunshine shining way up at the top of this pit somewhere. How could my life have any meaning or purpose at this point? But I want to tell you, your life has meaning and purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Who is we? We. That includes you, me. I am his workmanship. You are his workmanship. You are something he has formed. You are something he is working on. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. We have things to do. We have work to do. We have a gospel, a good news. We have people in our lives that need hope, that need prayer, that need healing, that need breakthrough. We need breakthrough. We need healing. We need prayer. There's work to do. There's practical things, there's spiritual things, there's a long list of things that you and I have in front of us that we can do, which God prepared beforehand. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God had something in mind before the foundations of the earth, a mystery, something we almost can't grasp. Well, we can't grasp it. There's no almost about it. We can't grasp it. But before the foundations of the earth, God prepared beforehand works that you and I would walk in. Before Paul ever was born, he was going to be doing the work of a minister by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people will argue, and and it's an understandable debate, but when they look at all these scriptures about work for us to do, foreordained, predestined, all those kind of words beforehand, they'll argue, well, that's a general statement. It's a statement about the church as a whole, but not for individuals. But I disagree. Let's look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Sorry, let's not. Sorry. Sorry, Karen. I don't mean it. Karen is, is at media for the first time on a Sunday. Would you give Karen a hand this morning? Thank you so much for serving in that way. And I told her I wasn't going to torture her, and I already just tried. So, No, no, I'm right. Sorry. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, before, before you ever actually existed in this life. And you could say, well, that was just for Jeremiah, but I don't think so. God knows all things. He works all things together. Not just the random things that work out in his favor, all things. Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. He knew you, just like he knew Jeremiah. 
and before you were born, I consecrated you. In other words, I, I, I made you holy and I set you apart for a purpose. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, before you were ever born, I predestined something for you. I ordained you, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Anyone want to volunteer for that one? And say, well, maybe I'm not appointed to be a prophet to the nations, but I would, I would encourage you this morning that before you were ever born, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. He had, he had these works lined out ahead of time for you to walk in, to challenge you to walk in. He also has specific things in your life. Now, Jeremiah's call was a very, very big call. We're not all called to be a prophet to the nations, but we're called to be in this life for a reason. For lots of reasons, for lots of relationships. See, sometimes when we talk about having purpose in life, we think of something like Jeremiah's occupation, if you will, of being a prophet to the nations. But in reality, your, your marriage, your children, your family, your relationships, the good things that have happened and the bad things that have happened, they're all part of your design by God to be who you've been called to be. Paul knew that about himself. He had been called to something, and he understood that. So I, don't, I think sometimes when we talk about calling, we get intimidated by this idea that, you know, I was called to be a nurse. That was, that's my calling in life. It's like, well, that, yeah, certainly that's, that's part of my wife's calling in life is to be a nurse, but it's much more diverse than that. It has to do with our relationship and our marriage. It has to do with our children and grandchildren and, and her relationships with individuals here in the congregation. She's got a multifaceted calling, and so do you. And it's very important for us to remember that and realize it because hopelessness creeps in so quickly. Purposelessness. Is that a word? Why do I always make up words? I think that's a word. Purposelessness? It's a tongue, it's a tongue twister. You can't say it and not spit like I just did. But, but that lack of purpose, there you go works into us so quickly and we get hopeless and we lose sight and all we can see is that tiny little light at the top of the pit that we're standing in and, and, and that we have to remind ourselves of these. But God knew before the foundations of the earth that I would be standing in the bottom of this pit right now and he has purpose, works, foreordained, purpose, appointment for you and I just like he did for Paul. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Did you know you have an, an inheritance? A multifaceted inheritance? An inheritance of eternal life? An inheritance of gifts according to the Spirit of God? An inheritance of relationships and family and blessing and eternity and all these things? You have an inheritance. I'm not sure my parents are going to leave me a huge inheritance. Maybe you got an inheritance. Maybe you didn't from someone. But it's so much more than that when it comes to God. We are his children. We're, we're receiving an eternal, powerful inheritance from him. You have, obtained an, you have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. You know, people hate it. A lot of people hate it when you say, say all things. If I say that to you, there are some of you that go, oh, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> say all things. All things. You have been predestined according to the purpose. Whose purpose? I'm so glad that my life isn't designed completely around all of the purposes I've ever thought I had. I'm so glad that I'm not the master of my own destiny. Just watched a cartoon yesterday with my kids, and it's in all the, it's message, the message is in so much of our society. 
You can write your own future and story. And I understand that there is a healthy component of that that motivates us to do a good job and work hard and go after our dreams. And I think that's God, but really, I think that's good. But what's underneath that is there's actually something that God has ordained before the foundations of the earth that motivates you that way. He is the one who gives the grace. He's the one who's designed it. He's the one who has this inheritance for you. And sometimes you might think it's one thing, and along the journey it changes, and that's fine and good. I'm glad it's according to the counsel of his will and not mine. Because if I had been the master of my own destiny, I might not be standing up here today talking to you. But rather, God had ordained something different. And I'm so glad that he has And he has for every one of you in this room. And you know what? There's so many out there. There's a world out there that needs a hope, an inheritance that's filled with hope. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So... What's the encouragement here? These are Jesus' own words. What a comforting word. Can you imagine sitting there right next to you? If Jesus is sitting right next to you and he just leans over and says, do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Wouldn't that touch your heart? But he is saying it to you today, right now, in his word. So do not be afraid. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. Am I stretching the text? Am I making up something here? And trying to trick you into some kind of thought about how much God loves you or the fact that he has foreordained good works for you? It's what it says. It's what is taught. It's what he taught. It's what he encouraged us in. And then he says this, so don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. I'm the boss. (laughs) Before you were born, I knew you would be here. Before the foundations of the earth, I foreordained these works for you to do. These highs and these lows, the ups and downs, the relationships, the failures, the successes, all those things, I have foreordained works for you to do. Don't be afraid. Paul knew this about himself. I was called as a minister. I was made a minister. I have a mission. He goes on to say, according to the gift. Okay, this goes back to what I said about Paul. It doesn't say... I was made a minister according to the degree I got in Pharisee school. I was made a minister according to my intelligence and good looks. I was made a minister according to... No, what what does Paul put his emphasis in, his reasoning, his, the anchor for his understanding of his calling is this, according to the gift of God's grace. God had gifted Paul. He'd had a grace given to Paul. See, everything we have, and I want to focus on this for a little bit. How am I going to get through this whole passage today? I have no idea. Paul had a gift, and it was by the grace of God. Now, I want to talk about the grace of God for a second. You know, we're going to start talking about gifts, and people will go, well, I'm not really gifted. I'm not called like Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations. I'm not called like Paul to be someone who expounds upon the mystery of the gospel in these elaborate and powerful and intelligent ways. Listen, Everything we have is by the grace of God. You can't breathe today without the grace of God. You can't get up and walk out of this room. You can't, nothing happens in all of creation 
without the grace of God being a part of it. So your abilities, your talents, your, everything about you that, that you have the ability to do, those, those gifts all the way from supernatural gifts to, to the very simple talents and things that you have to do, they're all by the grace of God because God. Because God. I mean, really, that's the answer of all things, because God. It really comes down to that. And he had graced Paul with a gift, and Paul looks at that gift, and he goes, I recognize the grace of God on my life to do this. I recognize the grace of God at work in me that I was called to be a minister of this gospel in the ways that he was. Let's look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Okay, I just want to look at this a little bit, a little deeper. As each has received a gift. Now, does that mean that everyone has received a gift? I think so. I believe that every single one of you in this room have something to offer. Okay, when we read the lists of the gifts in Scripture, I don't have time today to completely unpack the gifts. Maybe that's something that we should talk about in the future because they, they can get very interesting things like tongues and prophecy and words of knowledge and gifts of healing and all those kind of things, those supernatural gifts. But there are also, we see in the Old Testament even, that there were guys that were empowered by the Spirit just to do craftsmanship, to form things out of metal and wood, gold, silver, things like that. There's a broad spectrum. What does he say? Varied grace. God's grace is uncountable. You can't label it enough to fit everything. Over time and, and space, he's, he's gifted people. He's had a grace upon people for all kinds of different things, for all different moments. You look at the stories of the Old Testament, people like Daniel and the things he had to deal with, people like Joseph. It was the grace of God at work in their lives, empowering them for what they were called to in that moment. And those are big stories. And you and I don't maybe have those kind of big stories, but you have a story, and it's your story. And I don't know every detail of that story, but you've lived a life up to this point. And there's a story there, and God's grace is in it. And it's a varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him being glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Why? So that God could be glorified. All of this varied grace, as each one of us has received a gift, it is intended to be put to use. See, what does he say here? Use it. Peter's encouraging us. Whatever gift you have, use it. It doesn't have to be some supernatural, high-flying, spectacular uh, gift that everybody wants to see. You know, I was, I was encouraging Marv Holmquist this morning. He was packing the coffee pot from the coffee machine out to your table so you can serve yourself. I said, good thing you're tough, Marv, that you could carry that over. Every little thing matters. Every way you can serve is important. And Peter says, use it to serve one another. You are a steward of a grace of God in your life, of many graces. God has graced you in many ways. Steward that. Use it. The thing about gifts is they're not earned. You cannot earn the gift. You can pray for it. You can ask for it. Scripture talks about that. But it's, it is absolutely, totally free. You ever fall for the free gift gimmicks from a salesman? They're not free, are they? Let me tell you a story on ourselves. 
When we were, Joel, it was in 2004, probably Joel was just born. We fell for the $2,500 vacuum salesman guy. We bought a, how many? 2500 I don't know what it was. A stupid amount of money for a vacuum cleaner. We fell for that. I shouldn't say fell for it. We still have the vacuum cleaner. It still works. Works good. Just one of those things where, and you know what was so funny, and I still laugh about it today. It's like, if you buy this vacuum cleaner, I'm going to give you a free gift. What? That's not free. I paid $2,500 for a vacuum cleaner, and you gave me a set of three garden tools that I can get for 10 bucks down at Rock Hand. Free gift, my eye. That's not really free, is it? I don't like that kind of stuff, but God's not like that. God's not a vacuum salesman. No offense if you're a vacuum salesman in here today. Your job sucks, I think, but, you know. Come on, that was funny. That's why I'm a preacher and not a comedian. God's not like that. Hey, if you just do all the right things, I'll give you this free gift. If you just make all the right choices and never make a mistake, I will give you grace. It's the other way around. It is the other way around. He gives you grace you cannot earn. He's given you something to do in life that you couldn't accomplish in and of your own strength. You can't even breathe without his grace. You can't walk. You can't talk. The world doesn't turn without the grace of God. It comes first. You could never earn it. It was given to you. Use it. What am I trying to get? Take it seriously. Take your call in life seriously. Take God's gifting and talent and the things he's given you. Take it seriously. This is not a joke. This life will end. Eternity is eternity. What really matters when you think like that? Does it really matter what everybody thinks of me? Does it really matter how much money I make? Does it really matter if the guy I voted for got elected? Does it really matter? What really matters at the end of the day? What should be the priority of my decisions? What should be the priority of the way I live my life? What should be the priority of the way I communicate with my friends or my families or even my enemies? What should be the anchor which I am tied to in this life? Shouldn't be anything in this life because in the end it won't matter. God first. Take it seriously. So what does he call it? He said, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I think I've already said enough about this. But here's more passages, more scripture. By the power of God, you have opportunity. You have gifting. You have a, a race to run. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all to everyone, in everyone. All of these ways we can serve, all the ways the grace of God works through us, not just in the supernatural gifts, but in just the day-to-day life of serving And the activities we do, the things we carry out in our day-to-day life, there's a real deep Bible study here you could go into. You go study it into this stuff. There's a lot there. There's all all these activities that we participate in by the grace of God, and we are stewards of it. It's by His power. He's empowered us to do it. 
to each one, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. Why is the first part of our mission statement building community? Kingdom happens in the context of community, always. Jesus said we're two or more are gathered. Jesus is about community. He's about building a church. He's not about building other things, outside things. He's all about building his church, the manifestation of the Spirit. The gifts are given for the common good so that we all can benefit. And for him, it was to preach. Paul knew specifically what what it was that he was called to do in a big picture way. He came to realize that he had this mission, he had this gift, and it took him, it probably took time. I mean, we we don't know how old Paul was. I mean, Jesus uh, shows himself to Paul, blinds him. I mean, he has this radical experience with Jesus himself. And then years go by. What was going on in those years? What was Paul doing? He's, He's... you know, he's looking in the scripture, he must be educating himself, and he's in prayer, and all this, you know, eventually he came to realize this was his call. And eventually one day the Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. And those guys got launched into ministry. Okay, why am I sharing all that with you? Because I want to ask you the question. Paul was searching out his call. He was uh, walking along the journey, and of course the big thing is that Paul took his message to the Gentiles. But I would wonder, are you wondering what your call is? Are you wrestling with how you're gifted? Are you wrestling with what your contribution to the body of believers really is? Now, am I twisting your arm to start a small group? No. I want to provoke you to think about who you are in the process and take seriously engaging with who God has made you to be. See, this is what happens. If we don't engage with, with God in a relationship with God, and believe, you don't figure this out. Look, there are tests. We use things like strengths finders and Enneagram and DISC and spiritual gifting tests and all those kind of things, and those are helpful. We'll use them. We'll continue to use them. But at the end of the day, this is about your relationship with God himself. This is about you growing through prayer and the reading of Scripture and God developing you into who you are called to be. No test can do that. God does that. Now, it's not that we dismiss those things, but I want to, I want to challenge you. How is your relationship with God? Hey, is, he, is he speaking to you through his word? Is his spirit prompting you a certain direction? Can you tell me right now what one of your strengths is? Hey, I'm, I'm really good at, you know, f- for me, I'm, I'm good with mechanical things. Was I just accidentally born that way? Well, you could point to my heritage and things like that and say, yeah, you, you inherited that, but I still understand that even behind that inheritance is the grace of God at work in my life. I have a mechanical mind. That's how I work. That's, my, that's part of my gift. It's what I bring to the group to help. You know, you may not be like that. What is it? Some of you guys are great relators. Some of you are great at sympathizing. Some of you are great at empathizing. Some of you are fantastic in prayer. You can get on your knees and just bombard the heavenlies for 45 minutes and it feels like five minutes went by to you. That's your gift. It's a grace. God's graced you with the ability to do that. Use it. So my question to you this morning is, how is God challenging you to use the grace he's given you in your life? Are you taking it seriously? Are you like Paul, discovering what it is you were called to do and be? Or maybe it's for a specific situation a specific relationship, a specific job. I 
want to continue. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. Was Paul the least of all the saints? I mean, if you had to answer a survey right now who the least of the saints was, would Paul be? Of course not. None of us would agree with Paul on this. But what do we understand about Paul when he says that? He understood how, how incapable he really was and how dependent on the grace of God he absolutely was. And he knew that how messed up his life was and all. He had persecuted the church. He, was, he, he gave approval to the death of Stephen, the first martyr of the Christians. He probably struggled at times with guilt for what he had done to the church. He was the least of the saints in his mind. He calls himself the chief of sinners. You think he really was the chief of sinners? In his mind, he was. He understood himself to be unworthy. And you and I are absolutely unworthy. And yet God can do amazing things with those who have not earned it. Anyway, moving on. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan and the mystery hidden for ages. And, you know, that was Paul's gift. He was able to do that. And guess what? You and I today are still benefiting from Paul's gift. Paul had a way of revealing and unveiling the mystery of the ages. Why why the Christ? Why the Messiah? Why this death? Why this resurrection? How does the Old Testament tie into all of this stuff that culminates in Christ? Paul answered those questions. He, He was like a genius, but it was the grace of God in his life. It was the grace of God working in him. And you and I, as we read his very words today, we understand that. And he brings to light the plan. By the way, I just want to point out the plan. There's a plan. What? There's a plan. Going back to everything we just looked at. Predestination, foreordained, good works, before you were born, in your mother's womb, all these things. Now, yes, this is talking about the big picture plan, but, but, but they're not... It's all in God, so they're not separable. There's a plan. From two sparrows being sold for a penny, not one sparrow falling from the sky, apart from his will, all the way to the culmination of the end of time, all is within God's plan. Bring to light the plan, and that's what he did. And it, it's, it confounds the world's thinking and logic. It doesn't, doesn't line up with logic. I'm the master of my own destiny. Why would a king die for his people? That's silly, all these things. But Paul brought to light, that was his gift, so that there was a reason. All this culminates with the reason. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Through the church. What is God's plan A to bring the wisdom of God to the world? based on this passage. God's plan A, us, the church. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. We've been talking about wisdom. We talked about, we've been talking about the wisdom of the Old Testament, these healthy, God-centered thinking that helps us orient our lives, but there's even, goes way beyond that, the wisdom of God in Christ. It all culminates with Christ. Through the church, through you and I, we are plan A for God in his world. Now, I don't have a problem with like parachurch organizations and groups that do good things outside of the church, but the church has a design. It has a design. Did you know that? 
Even, even, there are even um, guidelines to the way we should conduct ourselves in meetings. There are guidelines about the way we are governed. Paul told Titus and Timothy both, appoint elders. Elders are the overseers of the church. That is the biblical design for church. He talks about songs. What do we do today? And hymns and spiritual songs. He talks about preaching of the word. All these things are guidelines that are for the design of the church. And so if we get outside of God's design for the church in order to try and accomplish a mission, we're outside of his plan A. That makes some people uncomfortable. Well, the church just isn't doing enough. Well, you're going to have to take that up with God since his idea isn't good enough for you. Ouch. The church is God's plan A for the world. We have to figure that out. We have to figure out how to operate within that. If we have spiritual gifting, it's meant to be manifest amongst us. In other words, all your ways of activating and serving and blessing other people is to be within the church. God's people. And our, the people have a design. God has a design in mind. And we have to wrestle with what that is. Now, now, why am I saying that? Because you maybe heard me say this phrase a few weeks ago. I want to raise the value of church in your mind. Raise the value of what the church is. It's not a social club. It's not a Sunday hobby. It is God's plan A to bring his manifold wisdom into the world. What is manifold? Various, diverse, colorful. That's what manifold means. And God's wisdom is, isn't it? His varied grace, his varied wisdom, his colorful uh, big picture of who he is. It's just beyond us. And yet he chooses to use us weak and broken and lowly people to bring that manifold wisdom into the world. You are plan A for God. You are God's plan A for the world. Now, we can receive that as this overwhelming pressure. Some of us have a tendency to do that. Others will be like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. We need to take it seriously and all the while understanding the grace of God. I think we have to be careful in doing this. It's, there's always this razor's edge between discipline and legalism. There's always a razor's edge there. And you can take something like what I'm saying, you go home and feel guilty. It's like, Jared got after us because we don't go to church enough. No, that's not what I'm saying. But are you prioritizing the work of the kingdom? Are you prioritizing your own responsibility in the church? Are you wrestling with those things? I want you to wrestle with it. Who am I? How am I called in this life? How am I educating myself or leading myself or adding to this gift that God has given to me that I might be able to use it somehow in the kingdom? And it doesn't have to be a big, a big gift. You don't have to be a prophet to the nations. But the grace of God is at work in your life. Are you letting it mature and come out and benefit the body of Christ? The church is God's plan A. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being delivered to the world around us. Would you stand, please? Okay, I got about halfway through that passage. <laughs> Here's your homework assignment. Read Ephesians chapter 3 this week. How many of you can read one chapter of the Bible this week? Ephesians chapter 3. Read it this week. And don't just skim it over and go check the box like you did in high school on your homework. Think about it. Learn it. Pray about it. Let God stir it in your heart. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. 
At the end of that passage, it says um, that we, you, Paul challenges us not to lose heart. When we look at these things, we are encouraged. When we look at these things, we don't lose heart. We're tempted to lose heart because things are difficult and challenging. And yet, you give us your word, and just like Paul said, so don't lose heart. Or like Jesus said, so do not be afraid. Aren't you much more valuable than two sparrows? Even the very hairs on our heads are numbered. We trust you, Lord. We're thankful. And Lord, help us not be afraid, but help us embrace how you have graced us and to steward it well while we're in this life. Lord, that we might see through the church and our church right here at Mount Helena, that we might be able to see your manifold wisdom come out through us to impact the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.